Hey, 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 how you doing, everybody? How's it going? This is Bigger T for the Big C, Bigger T, Big C, Bigger T, Big C, Bigger, Bigger T podcast. Clint, Big C. We got another special guest today. We do. We do have another special guest. Tell the people who we got. No, I don't want to tell them. Yo, you should tell them. Should I tell them? Ladies and gentlemen. Former University of Arkansas Monticello head football coach. And more importantly, my offensive coordinator at Arkansas Tech University. The guy that looked at me and said, you know what? That guy looks like a third string center. That's right. Uh, but no, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Greg Ricono, terrific story. Um, really great conversation. He has a few technical hiccups every now and then. And me and Travis work on filling air. That's right. Well, and we may edit some of that out. We may not. We'll see we, how it works. We're uh, pretty lazy. We we'll see how much my technical abilities work here. So, uh, but anyway, it's an interesting conversation. Uh, he had a lot of good things to say. Uh, a little more, especially for those of y'all connected with Arkansas Tech, about that great '99 Gulf South Championship year, and uh, just a lot of things about football in general and stuff like that. So, hopefully, you enjoy the conversation. We did. Yeah. We enjoyed it. No, and I don't think he called us fat once. He didn't call us fat once. So that's good. We got that going for us. Yeah. Anyway, enjoy the Big C, Bigger T podcast. Boom. Music starts now. One, two, three, five. You've ever seen a lame man walk? Never heard a dumb man talk? Never seen a blind man see? You ever seen a cancer death? Ever seen all the poor get fed? Ever seen a prisoner set free? I promise you a change is Coming at you live and in living color. We're here today. As always, I got my man, Big C, Clint Clark. Clint, how you doing, buddy? Man, best day of my life. Best day. I I told me and Coach were texting earlier. I said it's it was a Monday. It was definitely a Monday. Yeah, it's definitely a Monday. But but it's all good now. You got a special guest today. A special guest for all of us, but one that's connected to you. He so is. introduce us to our special guest today. You know, it's weird. I don't think much of my playing time at Arkansas Tech, and neither does Coach Ricono. Um, but <laughs> but the history books. <laughs> I know. We have history. But, you know, what's funny is I texted him and Coach Mullins both. Said, hey, will you come on my little podcast? Thinking, like, they're either going to ignore me. Or they'll be like, just absolutely not. Who is this? <laughs> not going to happen. But they both said, but surprisingly enough, they both said yes immediately, which means I must have done something right in four years. 
So, ladies and gentlemen, former um, office coordinator at Arkansas Tech University, he's got a whole bunch of other stuff on his record, on his resume, but I consider him a good friend, Coach Greg Ricona. Well, Clint, I appreciate that. And and before we get into the the stories and the funny stories, I do want to say something about Clint as an individual. Uh, you know, we had a number of kids that came through the Arkansas Tech program, and a lot of them did some have done some wonderful things with their lives. I'm very proud to have been a part of that. But I'll tell you this: rare is that you find a ball player that sticks with it and goes through all the pain and the agony. And quite honestly, he was an offensive lineman, so he didn't get very many joys and rewards. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he came out the back end really taking everything out of football that he could possibly get from it. And I'm proud to see where he's gone with his life. Hey, yeah, he, thanks, he's Coach. glutton for punishment. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> and he learns from the punishment. It's amazing. That's right. That's right. And I'm sure there was some things that went on in that dorm I don't want to know about, but that's a whole, whole different animal. And coach, I'm not surprised y'all responded so quick because he's a memorable fella. He's that. He <laughs> is that. Well, as a matter of fact, my wife and I met Clint, you'll appreciate this year, 1999. Oh, wow. It's a good year. Vintage. Yeah, well. And, you know, being a football coach, I made her endure the entire football season through two-a-days, through, I mean, we hit it off right away, through two-a-days, through recruiting, through spring football, through the 5.30 a.m. workouts in the spring before I'd consider her to marry her because I wanted her to make sure she knew what a coach's life really was. (laughs) Good thinking, coach. Don't want to surprise her with that, for sure. Now, I was telling Travis before we came on the podcast, I remember the first words Coach Ricono ever said to me. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm dying to know. I'm sitting on pins and needles. What were the first words I ever said? The to first you? word you ever said, we had a team meeting and you had said something to us about getting, not going out and getting drunk. And I think I told you this because I was looking for a home and I was using you as my real estate agent. I didn't right. buy anything, I wasted a bunch of your time. No, not at all. So you walked up to me and you, because I said, coach, I don't even drink. And and so you walked up to me and you thumped me on the stomach and goes, good. You don't want that thing swelling up. (laughs) 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 I was just like, I'm like, it's so good. Like, it's so good. Like I wasn't even mad. I wasn't even mad. And well, Coach, first of all, just tell us a little bit about how you got into football, how you got into coaching, all that kind of stuff. Did you play and all that? Yeah, stuff. I did. Uh, as a matter of fact, I grew up in a football family. My dad was a high school football coach for the first, I want to say, 14 years of my life, I believe. Uh, my uncle was a college football coach. Uh, so it was only natural for us. We played the game. My brother, I had an uh, older brother that was – 10 times better than I was. I mean, he was just a natural football player. And uh, we ended up going to a very small high school north of Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, And when I say very small, my senior year, we had 12 starters on both sides of the ball. One guy came in for defense and one guy left. So yeah, when I went to college and they told me what side of the ball you want to play, I'm like, huh? (laughs) I mean, coming off the field didn't make any sense. So we grew up in a sports family. My dad also played minor league baseball. 
so, you know, it was something that was just ingrained in all of us. Uh, now, I'll tell you this, and this is a big deal to me. He never once forced us to play. Uh, you know, he would have been just as happy. I was also, Clint won't know this, I was an All-American trumpet player. And he was more proud of me for that than anything I ever did on the sports field. Oh, yeah. you can, Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, that's not something that y'all, a talent y'all share. So, I mean, seeing something unique right. about yourself has got to be just awesome for the dad. Now, what position did you play in high school? And then in college, what position did you play? Well, I, I had <laughs> – I was the quarterback playing running back in high school. This is the God's honest truth. Whenever we threw a pass, the quarterback – would turn around and pitch it to me. And then I threw all the passes. Okay. Uh, he, he couldn't play running back. He didn't have that kind of skill. Uh, but uh, I, yeah, I was a running back. And then when I went to college, uh, I started out on the defensive side of the ball and played cornerback for two years and then played quarterback my last two years. Hmm. Where'd you go to college? <laughs> you never heard of it. It, it was called Tarkio College. It was a NAI school up in the northwest corner of Missouri, okay. and I made the class. And I, whenever I recruited, I tried to instill this in kids. I made the classic mistake of going to the highest bidder, yeah. and that it was. Yeah, I didn't look at the program. I didn't look at the school. I didn't pay any attention to facilities. Mm-hmm. And man, when I got there, I had known I'd made a mistake. But you guys, my dad said, "Nope, you signed with him. You're staying." So, and I'm thankful they did it because I got, I got to coach her. They moved me right into a position coach and then I coached two seasons there. Uh, invaluable experience for a young guy. Oh yeah, for sure. So how did you get into coaching? Where did you start out your coaching career? Well, I started there at, at, at Tarkio where I played. And then, uh, you know, I had caught college bug because that's all I really knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had been offered some, and if I'm looking back now, I've been offered some really good position jobs at some nice school. When I got done at, at my undergraduate school, I started looking for graduate assistant jobs and I had contacts all over the place through my uncle. And it was really difficult to get a position at that time because you had a lot of high school coaches, quite honestly, that were selling their talent to get into these big division one programs. Right. Uh, I actually lost a graduate assistant job in Emmett Smith's high school coach. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it, it was just the nature of the business, but I ended up getting an offer to, to uh, go graduate assistant at Northwest Missouri state, which is a really solid, solid division two mm. school in, in the Northwest corner of Missouri. So that's where Mullins and I hooked up. Uh, I was able to join that staff. It was a new staff. Uh, taking over a struggling program and and that's really as a young coach that's what you want you want to see it from bottom to top as opposed to going someplace that's already established you're not going to learn as much so I got a lot of experience there and from there I uh, got my master's degree and it was time to be a grown-up but I didn't listen to anybody I kept looking for that great job ended up leaving Missouri and going and coaching a minor league football team in Colorado Springs. And by minor league, I meant real minor because the players got, um, they got $100 a game. They got room and board, uh, but they also were assigned jobs. 
So we had guys working all over Colorado Springs and like Walmart and, and, you know, all of those types of things. As a matter of fact, I was the offensive coordinator in my job for five days was the head maintenance man at McDonald's. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, and I didn't even own a screwdriver. You could so. fix a fryer like nobody could. <laughs> yeah. I, no I, <laughs> I, said, I said five days and that's how long I lasted. Uh, <laughs> The, the general manager of the team quit and the head football coach, who, again, I had known for five days, went to the ownership and he said, if you don't make him general manager, I quit. So I moved in 25 years old. I moved into the general manager job of a minor league football team. Wow. So it was tremendous experience. Uh, of course, as you would predict, the league folded. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had a pretty quality team, but it, it did fall apart. And then I took the offensive coordinator job at a little NAIA school in, in central Missouri called Missouri Valley College and, and was there for three years. And it is a really solid school with a lot of football tradition. Uh, matter of fact, my dad played there. Uh, so I enjoyed my time there and we had some outstanding football teams from there. I took the head coaching job at Iowa Wesleyan college, which is in Southeast Iowa, again, an NAI school, uh, enjoyed my time there. It was really strapped financially. The school didn't have a lot of money, so it, uh, it made it difficult. Now I understand through all of these travels, there's very few coaches off that Northwest Missouri staff that I'd stayed in touch with. Steve Mullins, one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, you know, when I worked with Steve, he was the offensive coordinator at Northwest Missouri and I was a graduate assistant. So you can envision he was a bit of a pedestal guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked the way he did things. I liked the way he treated players. Uh, I liked the way he interacted with other coaches. So we had stayed in touch. And when he got the offer at Arkansas Tech, Steve calls me. I come down to Arkansas to look at it. I'll be honest with you. I never stepped foot in the state of Arkansas prior to that. Lucky. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I disagree. And I drove around the campus and it at that time, Clint, you know, it was pretty distressed in itself. Yeah. Uh, the facilities were terrible. Uh, you now, know, was this actually, in July when he first came? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, in July and we're staring August and straight in the face, okay. you know, so, uh, Anyway, I drove around, took a look at it, met with Steve. That was all wonderful. You know, I'm going to be here. Uh, Had to resign from my job in Iowa, which was tough because, again, it was late notice. Uh, But then when we got down here, I'm telling you, and I'm not going to mention any names, we sat in the first staff meeting. There were two coaches from the previous staff. They told us we had all Americans at every position. And this was just going to be a cakewalk. And oh boy, after that first practice, Clint, no offense, but I looked at Steve and I said, we've been sold a bill of goods. <laughs> yeah, no, it, we weren't. In, I remember and I told this story and, and Reverend Johnson, please forgive me. Um, but I was talking to Jumbo and I said, I remember you were on the phone, I think with coach Mullins and I never was a drinker because I just don't like the taste of, but I remember Jumbo finishing his beer and smashing the can going, yeah, I'm in shape. <laughs> i mean i i don't know if he's on the phone with coach mullins but for the story i it, it needs to be it sounds good but well, i'll tell you clint can attest to this and you know i still was a little bit young inexperienced i'd been around a little bit but mostly on my own okay mostly learning from myself which is not the best way mm. 
I watched Steve break down that team like a double barrel shotgun. Mm -hmm. I mean, he did. He broke them down. He got them in shape. It was tough. Uh, they benefited from it, but it was a very – Clint, do you remember the time he sent everybody off the practice field made a start all over again? It had happened a few times where we you it know, sure you did. I and again, you mentioned the name earlier, and I'm not going to mention it again. We had a little drill, Travis, that we ran prior to practice. It was called tires, and it was a foot agility drill plus a man maker. <sighs> and uh, it was so bad that he had one of the biggest, baddest offensive linemen on our team in tears. I mean, he he just was that ruthless with them that first year. Mm-hmm. And subsequently, we got better in a hurry. Yeah. Um, we struggled a little bit that first year. I think we were four and seven, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but we're competitive, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it just, it built from there. Mm-hmm. And I noticed on the last podcast, I saw Clint Flash in that ring. That was uh, that was the ultimate destination for that group of kids that stuck with it. Yeah. Well, and, and it was it was you know, and I I I'd always thought about it from more point of view, you know. But I mean, the fact was, is you get there, you know, you get there. Todd Kulu's your incoming quarterback. Yep. Um, who I think was all conference. He had a lot of big games. I'm not sure he was, but I, yeah, but, I mean, but he was he was he was your established star. Oh, absolutely. He, he's one of them. You're like, okay, you can run the, but now you have to come in, you know, and you have to scrap the offense. Let me tell because, you, because I mean, Mo, I mean, because Hollinsworth <laughs> ran pretty much a run and shoot, which sure. was odd to me because, as we discussed on the last podcast, I ran the dead T in high school. Right. Her pass play was a draw. A tight end dump was about the extent of her pass tree. Um, so you get the drift. But well, here's the story you, you may not know, Clint. Run more of a, you, you ran more of a pro-style offense. Pro-style, yes. The first ball game we go play, and I don't know if you remember this. I mean, absolute first ball game in green and gold. We go play is a neutral game, Northeast Oklahoma in Alma. At Alma. Yeah. And Cooley is the starting quarterback. Todd is a fine football mind. He is. Uh, you know, he can be a little full of it, but he is a fine football mind. He's a head coach at Delta State right now. And we went out there, and we had taught this offense for three weeks and thought we had a pretty good handle on it. In the first quarter, I'm not kidding you, Todd Cooley audibled about every other play. And I mean just – ticked Steve Mullins off I mean it was just a battle because here he was he again was an incoming senior and had had success and you know to just to 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 bend to our program it was difficult for him and I looking back at it now I get that but I'm sure it was that way for all of you guys well it was definitely it was definitely a different different experience um for, for sure because you just, you know, and I don't, I don't know if you remember, I had knee surgery that summer, so I didn't. I know do. Was, yeah. So, um, I do. Which hurts. Hey, I thank the good Lord every day because that that walk through practice, <laughs> which everybody says is the hardest thing they've ever done in their entire life. I didn't ever. I think it's because Mullins just snapped. Yeah. <laughs> I think he just he he's like, really, this is the walk through. But I remember the next year. I remember getting, going into that y'all second year. 
you know, you, you said it you, at the at the office meeting because we're gonna have a walk through practice tomorrow, and we all just went, uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> there was like an audible groan. He goes, "No, guys, a real walk through," because you knew we weren't gonna embarrass ourselves. But I do remember yelling at a kid that stopped in tires because I'm like, "You better not. You better not." And that's what happens. And that's what happens. You end up getting the leadership brings the rest of them along. And, uh, you know, it, it did. There was a great transformation in those first two years. And, and it didn't really reflect in the record. Uh, you know, I think the second year we were at 500. But it, it was all part of where that group was going. And it, it just some great young men. Geez, I tell you what, I, I have some of my fondest memories of 21 years of coaching were on that field, mm-hmm. uh, mostly on the game field. Practice field had some funny moments, but <laughs> but overall, it was a good experience. I do have, and I did tell you, I had another like personal story, uh, me and you interaction, and you probably won't even remember this because it was, so let's just be honest. If I was in the game, it was well in hand. <laughs> the outcome was no longer in doubt. <laughs> I think we can agree on that point. Um, <laughs> you got a better memory of that than I do. Oh, wait, well, that's what happened. <laughs> so, you know, and I and we I told him on this podcast, I just I had trouble with consistency. Like I would be, I'd look good for three plays, then I'd snap the ball over the quarterback's head and we'd fumble a snap. I just I always had just had issues with the consistency. It is what it is. Um, so I was in the game and I think Savoy was in there. <laughs> and you go. And you go, look, be really careful. I don't really trust this guy with a snap. And I, and you just kind of give me a look and you just roll your eyes. <laughs> just like, eh. That's negative coaching. I can't believe I did that. <laughs> well, it wasn't unwarranted. <laughs> but it's like, it's just like your quarterback, like, hey, just be careful. You, I have no idea where this guy's going to Sometimes the truth hurts. <laughs> yeah, the, the truth. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you had but, Shane standing behind you. That was no guarantee either. <laughs> well, he 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 saved me more than once because there was the spring game. There was actually the 99 spring game where the twos were playing the ones. Okay. And it was actually, my memory's good. We were driving down the field, and we we were in field goal range to beat the ones. It, which would have been a huge deal for the backups to beat the starters, but sure. we it was we were being competitive with them. But that was the type of competitiveness, competitiveness, and toughness that y'all had built in us. Well, we, and it, it definitely carried over into the following season because you, I know you remember this. You talk about depth, you know, ones against twos. You know, yeah. we go into that season knowing Travis Horn is the guy. I mean, right. he, he's going to carry us to the promised land. He got hurt. And then Ed Duncan had to come in. And Ed Duncan, who was a tremendous athlete out of Morrillton, but was running number two. And Ed ended up being co-offensive player of the year right. in the Google South Conference. With, with, a, with a man that you had something to do with, which was Josh Price. Oh, good Lord. I'll tell you this. And it, people ask me all the time, what was it? Because Price still holds a lot of records at Tech. Yeah. Ask me what it was like to coach Josh Price. And I say this, take a handful of raw coffee and chew on it. Because that's that's how hyper that guy is. And I mean, yeah, you get him in the field, he's calm as can be. But any other time, man, he was just as wound up as he could possibly be. But what a competitor. I mean, he's still coach. 
Yeah. Well, we froze up again. So this break, Clint, is brought to you Oh, and he's back. No, nope, there we're you going are. To commercial. We were I was trying to hear what you guys were saying about me. <laughs> we were talking magic. <laughs> but you know, George Hart, division one transfer from San Jose State. Sure. He comes in, he's the guy. The prior season, Chris Taylor, who played quarterback at Atkins, mm-hmm. um, which I'm 0 3 against, much like Jumbo, and I hate them for it. Uh, uh, so, had some good teams back then. Yeah, I mean, well, it, it was like Atkins, Greenbrier, and Dover, uh, right. which I hate to give Lawson will get a kick out of that. That I said Dover was <laughs> good football, but they, um, but you had Chris Taylor. He played quarterback the prior season, and Chris was playing tight end and punting the year before, so he kind of went there out of need because he's a selfless guy. That's he exactly tight end, punter, fullback, quarterback, whatever, whatever you need. I mean, he was just – that was the type of guy. But you'll bring in this transfer, and then, like Mullen said, he thought it was a great play. He thought it was a great gimmick play, the throwback to Hart. Yeah, that was that was tragic, to be honest with you. It really was. And uh, George got – it. and, you know, it's funny you should mention that because I talked to George about um, two months ago, uh, and he's doing great. Yeah, what a That's wonderful, great. wonderful fella. Uh, but yes, we, we called that quarterback, or I called that quarterback cutback, or excuse me, throwback. And George was taught, and he'll tell you this you catch it on the flare, and then you run out of bounds. You know, you don't try to make any moves out there. Well, right. George was an instinctive, competitive athlete. He got over that sideline, he tried to cut back, and they blew his knee out just like that. Mm. So yeah, it was tough. It really was. And that, you know, that's game three of the season. Right. So, there's your starter. Price is in red shirt. So we didn't want to burn his. So we had a heck of a quandary on our hands. Well, and that was at Delta State, mm-hmm. which was the best pregame meal we'd ever had, by the way. Oh, yeah. I remember that. We we still talk about when the guys get together, we talk <laughs> about that breakfast at Delta State. I'm telling like, you. It was just, it was just this, this old African American family that had a spot. And and I think Cooley found it. <laughs> By that, it was, it was just it was just un, like like me and Ricota are both like yes I remember yes I, remember, I don't know why I, well I know why we haven't went back to Cleveland Mississippi but I wouldn't anybody would that's ever been that. there knows why you haven't been back to Cleveland Mississippi <laughs> <laughs> yeah everybody's been to Cleveland Mississippi. like I get it I get yeah. it the food was probably good but it ain't that good <laughs> so but no that game was like a snake bit game for us it was um, Chris. Chris Taylor, who we talked about, started having back spasms before the game. Um, Danny Albright, starting right tackle, gets a concussion. Mm-hmm. You're playing a true freshman at at right tackle all of a sudden. Right. And then George blows his knee out. And I think me and you talked about it whenever we were at um, – whenever you're showing me around at houses and stuff. Right. That, yeah, that they would not tell you how bad George was hurt. Oh, it's horrible. Were- it really was because, I mean, again, we've got – Josh is there. He's dressed, but we sure don't want to burn his red shirt if George is okay. So we ended up having to put another young man out there who, Shane, as a matter of fact, who had not prepared for the position. That was my fault. Uh, Shane wasn't ready to go out there. And bless his heart, he was playing against a very good defense, and he wasn't able to get anything done. So we ended up losing that ball game 10 to 7. So we're sitting in week three. We'd already lost the first game to the defending national champion, Northwest Missouri State. 
won the second one, and then lost to Delft at 10-7 to in just a very disgusting night. We're in a quandary. We don't know what's going to happen. And Coach Mullins and I had meetings and meetings and meetings, and we did. We changed the entire offense in one week. I mean, we did. We went to a, a split back look. We started using some motions out of the backfield. We opened the game up because we didn't have the quarterback. I felt like that we could go out there and put the game on him. We had to develop a running game around him to keep the pressure off of him. Now, it turned out that I was wrong about Josh. He was ready. <laughs> and when I mentioned Ed was the co-offensive uh, player of the year, Josh was the other co as a uh, redshirt sophomore. So anyway, we, and then Clint, you know, we rattled off nine wins yeah. and uh, just really had a good run of it. By the time we got to the national ch- uh, playoffs, we were limping in there. We were pretty beat up. Yeah. Uh, and boy, I tell you what, coming back on that flight, I looked through that plane and I mean, if we'd have had to play the next week, I, the coaches would have had to play because we were so beat up at that point. But what a fantastic year. Won the Gulf Soft Championship, and uh, and if I'm not mistaken, that's the only time Arkansas Tech ever won it. Yeah, it is. It is, and the only we were the first Arkansas team to ever win it outright. That's right. Our first ones. I, Southern Arkansas had shared it before. Oh, wasn't and that a fun we game? Had to, we, we had to go. We, you know, and our offense got to be where it was really salty. Yeah. Towards the end of the year, I mean, we had some good players, even against Carson Newman, which had an NFL talent on the defensive line. No question. Um, Cedric Killings, I believe, is his name. Yes. That that he's he he's he played years in the NFL. He's probably drawing a pension from the NFL right now. Right. And which is which is the dream. But so I mean, that's the type of talent we're playing against. And what we hung up thirty something points on him. Oh, we did. And uh, of course, you know, one of our favorite people. I know he's yours. Is Lance Strother. Oh, I and, love him. Uh, I do too. What a guy. And you know, here's a kid that on a good day running downhill might hit four, seven, you know, I, he's, he's not a speedy wide receiver by any stretch of the imagination, but that year alone, I don't know why this number sticks in my head. He had 71 receptions Mm. and, you know, you're playing against Carson Newman and he beats two of their kids that really were, they weren't pro caliber, but they were better than anything we'd seen in the Gulf South. So, you know, we had kids like that. Travis Horn came back and played very well. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had kid, kids that were contributing that maybe you didn't think before the season could. And I think that goes back again to the style of leadership that Mullins gave those players. Uh, you know, they, they were willing to accept the responsibility of their teammates. And it, it really showed. It, it, was, it was a fun, fun year. Now, when you first got to Tech, it was on a, it was on a, like, like you said, you came in short. How much input did you have in the offense? As far uh, as not, the- not much, not much at all. Uh, you know, there was a, I'll be honest with you, this was Steve Mullins' first head coaching job. And, you know, he was coming from uh, Northwestern State, Louisiana. I thought it was going to be one way. He wasn't comfortable with it being that way. I had enough respect for him. He's the boss. So we did it that way, which was, again, you, you mentioned it earlier, more of a pro style, uh, I oriented offense. And, uh, you know, I was coming from a program where, again, I had been wide open and we were a lot more multiple. You guys may not be 
old enough to remember the 49er offense. Uh, it was based on that Bill Walsh 49er West offense. Coast. Right. Yeah. right. West Coast. Coast. West Coast. Yeah. Time and rounds. So West not much, Clint. That first year had very little input, uh, you know, other than, uh, you know, whatever Steve needed me to do in the box. Okay. Now you went to UAM from Tech, correct? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I made better to decisions in my life. <laughs> and it's well, so I mean, you know, at, at some point we all have an itch. Yeah. And we got to scratch it. You know, for me, I wanted to open up my own jiu-jitsu school. I'm like, I, I want to do it. I'm going to do it. And I got talked out of signing a lease in a lot of different places by, by my mentor, uh, Danny Dring, who we've had on the podcast before. And, and it was the best thing. And I listened to him. I never got myself in trouble, but I, had, I wanted to try it. I tried it. I'm like, I hate this. I'm going to go back to my gym and just, I will substitute teach. <laughs> so I had my own jiu-jitsu school for like six months. And yeah. that was six months, probably too long. But now yeah. I know I didn't like it. Well, you know, I heard Steve. And of course, you know, Steve, UAM, that's a whole sick relationship in itself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, when you drove around Arkansas, you didn't drive to UAM. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is the ugliest. It, it, it was one of the worst campuses. Let's it is. <laughs> I went down there, and, you know, I, I was, Clint. I was ready. I was ready to do my own thing. Had been a head coach before. Uh, we had had, I would consider, unparalleled success at, at, at Tech, given what we had come into. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the program was established. I really felt like we'd accomplished something. I'm going to go do it somewhere else. So I went down there, came back, it, it offered the job is, is an understatement. The fact that I was there told me I had the job. And I come back, the first thing, it, the man loves you in like nobody in the world. And the first thing out of Coach Mullins' mouth is, don't do it, Greg. You'll be sorry. And you know what? He was right. They had absolutely no facilities. And this is, this is the truth. When I got there in April, they had 17 kids on the team. 17 kids. I'm not talking about 17 good kids. I'm talking about period. Yeah. So, you know, I just really went down there on my ego, and that was a mistake. Uh, now, we in well, uh, my last season down there, we finished six and five, which is like winning the Super Bowl down there. Uh, had an outstanding quarterback who I didn't even recruit. The previous coach had recruited him. Uh, a little kid out of California that was 5'10", maybe 170 pounds. Most non-traditional football player ever. And for a 500 football team was two-time Gulf South player of the year. So, I mean, you got all the Valdostas and the Central Arkansas and the North Alabamas. And here's this kid from 500 UAM. Both seasons he played was the offense player of the year. So he was phenomenal. Uh, and Corey Allred was his name. And the oh. best thing I ever did was I looked at the coaching staff in the first spring game and I said, we're not going to coach him. And the coaches are like, look at me like, well, what are you talking about? That kid is a backyard football player and I'm going to let him play backyard football. And that's what he did for two seasons. Oh, so that's awesome. you sometimes know, look, the best coaching is not coaching. Yeah. Now, Coach, earlier you told us that you were a trumpet player. Right? Yes. <laughs> so I got to ask. I plan on you bringing that back up. Well, I got to ask. <laughs> oh, I, know, see, I ducked down I'm, at the right time. I live in South Arkansas, and I'm 
no, a couple connections to UAM. Did you enjoy Gary Meg's music while you were there? You I think I think he froze up, but I think this time it was on purpose because he didn't want to talk about the trumpet. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Now, now one, this, now one time plant is brought to you by mattress topper, egg crate mattress toppers. See, I didn't know if we were gonna go that for the, for the three in one body wash. No, let's go with the egg crate mattress topper. No, I mean it's a solid choice. When your bed is not exactly where it needs to be, yeah. giving you that good night's sleep, forget about sleep studies, forget about all those other things, forget about melatonin or ambient, whatever. Go to Dollar General or Family Dollar and pick you up an egg crate yeah. mattress topper. Are you thinking about dropping an anvil on your head? That <laughs> <laughs> way you go to sleep. <laughs> have a egg crate mattress topper will protect bedroom. for them and if you wake up sweaty from the egg top mattress cover topper. in case of a tornado take yeah. the egg crate mattress topper off your mattress wrap yourself in it get in your bathtub protected from tornadoes yeah. and while you're in the bathtub use your three-in-one body wash <laughs> that's right if you get busy you don't have time. Who wants to buy three bottles? Three bottles when you can buy one. And who has the shelf space in their shower? I don't. Three bottles. If you're a husky and you've got to turn around in the shower. That's right. I wonder if he's coming back this time, Travis. I don't know. I, made a... <laughs> I don't know. This is the longest he's been gone. It's usually like yeah, right back to a Sports podcast. This guy's talking music. So, Coach, when you were at UAM, and since you have a history of playing the trumpet did you ever get to know gary meggs or listen to him i did i did know gary and i did listen to him uh now you're talking about two light years apart in terms of what you know how long it had been since i played but uh yeah he was very talented i'm telling you yeah he uh his band had uh i had a former one of, i was a youth pastor in camden and one of my former students was uh in his band and played trumpet actually yeah that, you know i when i boast about being a, an all-american you know that was a long time ago when there's yeah. some awfully awfully talented people out there now that that weren't around there then so yeah, yeah it uh, it was a good experience though because it was totally away from the entire athletic persona uh, you know, it, uh, I had a choice when I went into college is either go athletics or go music. Obviously I went athletics, yeah. uh, and I enjoyed those things, traveled with the McDonald's all American band. And that's, you know, you can't, you can't replace that kind of experience. No, well, but, school, uh, I do remember Gary, go ahead. In high school, Clinton, I hated the band. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well, he didn't hate it as bad as I did. Well, I hated it. Well, he dated a girl that was in the band, so he. he I knew it was that. But yeah, <laughs> well, pretty much. But our band, the 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 stand where the bands were in were separate, and it was actually closer to the field, and it was at the like thirty yard line. You know, like where we're where we can walk to right All right into the field there, and kind of in front of the stands, so they would be kicking up right next to us 
you know, in, in timeouts, our coach is trying to tell us something. We couldn't hear nothing because the dang trombone's blowing in our ears. Oh, Lord. And so I we couldn't stand the band in high school because I'm like, we're here for football, not for you people. <laughs> oh, I tell you, you see that at a lot of schools, man. I tell you, these bands have taken on a life of their own. Oh, they have. Uh, I mean, well, you know, like I, I became a youth pastor, and as a youth pastor, you know, you got kids that are into all kinds of things, you sure. know. And I had some kids that were real into band. So all of a sudden I'm going to band contests and I'm seeing, <laughs> okay, maybe there's a little more to this band than I thought there was in high school. Oh, there, there's, there's other walks of life. And, and, and that's what, as athletes, that's what's so hard for us to see. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, and I, you haven't asked me about it, but I, I'll say it anyway. I, when I got out of coaching, uh, you know, I, I illustrated that I came from a football family. Mm. So, you know, my entire life, Friday nights, I'm, I'm talking about from the time I was born, Friday nights were high school football games. Yeah. Whether you're playing or whether your dad's coaching. Yeah. And then, you know, straight from there into college, you know, when I got out of football, I didn't know what people did in the fall on the weekends. Yeah. I didn't have any idea. You know, it didn't even occur to me there was something outside of that realm. Right. So it, it, you, you discover these things as you get older. And Travis, you have, and I know Clint has too. Uh, that you know there's there's a world outside of football yeah, yeah for sure oh, yeah for, for sure now, you being the offensive guy you said now before you got to tech you, you ran some wide open you know the or the west coast style right. offense and then right. tech you ran the the pro style i form mostly um that changed it did yeah, it did change. As a matter of fact, and again, this just distributes Steve Mullins as a good manager. You know, he saw our personnel changing mm -hmm. as we started to recruit and the kids that division two is a little different. You know, division one, you go out and you get who you want. Yeah. You know, because I say division, piece division. you know, Arkansas, yeah. that's right. Arkansas has a uh, a prototype of what they're looking for mm -hmm. uh you know more so even alabama has a prototype of what they're looking for mm -hmm. division two you're looking for a guy that's an athlete that will compete and will learn so it's a little bit different deal but as our personnel started to change coach mullins knew that we had to change a little bit about what we were doing and, uh, you know, for that fact, we traveled around, visit with some staffs. I was lucky enough to take my offensive staff to visit with some universities. And, uh, and we brought some, some good ideas back in here. Uh, and I felt like we evolved over a period of time. So what do you think of the way offense has evolved since then? Because I know you got out of coaching. Uh, now you see it's a little more the RPO. Right. The hurry up, no huddle, you know, Gus Malzahn and, of course, he's everybody gives him credit, but there was other people, and of course, a lot of what mm -hmm. Gus Malzahn does, single wing stuff added yeah. to the spread. That's right. Well, I, I tell you, the guy, and, and I haven't talked to him in years. The guy that changed football in Arkansas was Barry Lenny Senior. Yeah, uh, over at Southside, and and when I talked about earlier, when um, you know when I got down here in '97, it was three yards in a cloud of dust across the state. Everybody was doing the same thing. And I was lucky enough to change recruiting areas after that first year and got over on the west side of the state. And when I did, I saw what they were doing at South Side, and I thought, this is going to change things. And it did. Uh, now, I, you asked me about the state of football. Now, I think you can take it too far. 
Mm -hmm. I, I really do. I think we have gotten away from a lot of the physical aspects of football. And you see teams struggle with that when they have to have it. Mm -hmm. That's not something you can turn on and off. The finesse is you can turn finesse off and on because mm -hmm. it's a soft emotion. Mm -hmm. But as far as just the getting down in the dirt grit, mm -hmm. you can't do that unless it's in you. So I think we I think we have seen it go just a little bit too far to the wide open side. And I think you'll see it swing back the other way. And, and don't, don't you think we are seeing that a little bit? We are seeing some of it swing back. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to say it was two or three years ago, you saw the best two teams in the country were obviously LSU and Alabama. Mm. And if you watch that ball game, that was the most physical football game I've seen in years. And, you know, you're starting to see, of course, we've said it for a thousand years, defenses win championships, and they do. Mm. Uh, but also that physical in-your-face football also can dominate a championship. So I think, you, again, yes, I see more of it now than I did probably five or six years ago. Uh, I see, I think, I don't think it'll ever go back to what it was yeah. because people are too, you know, too creative, you know, yeah. uh, coaches want to coach too much mm -hmm. so that uh, you know, that's just too boring for a coach nowadays. Now, now you did at Arkansas Tech, you found yourself in both a tough and enviable, it's like a hard position, but it's a good position to be in. Because, like you said, Josh Price became Gulf South Conference Player of the Year. Yeah, but you also had Division One George Harp. Yeah, that you know lost a job to injury. I, and you know, and I'm, I don't want to ask you know, but how hard of a situation is that to be in as an offensive coordinator, quarterback coach? I don't. I mean, you don't talk any more about it than you want to about. No, no, that's fine. And and then I th I think both players know this. I think the role of both of them. I really do. I mean, uh, you know, they both bring different things to the table, which all athletes do. Uh, George was your prototypical California quarterback. I mean, he could stand back there and he could throw babies through tires. I mean, he just was very talented and, and smart, tremendous young man. However, Josh Price might be the most competitive human being I've ever met in my life. You know, not winning doesn't ever occur to him. So, yes, when uh, Josh took over to injury. And you may not remember this, Clint. Uh, when Josh took over due to injury, he wins nine in a row, wins this a Gulf South championship, takes us to the playoffs. It's kind of hard to set that guy down. Yeah. Um, that didn't mean that the job wasn't always wide open. We went that next year and played. You graduated in 99, didn't you? I graduated in yeah. Okay. The next year, you wouldn't have been there. We went down and we played UAM. And at that time, UAM was running this crazy defense where they danced all over the field and you just couldn't even hardly. Yeah, line up wherever. They ran that the yeah. year. They, when they ran that the year before. Okay. That John Thompson. John Thompson type, like just line yeah, up wherever. Exactly. It, it, on John Thompson stuff on steroids, Travis. It was okay. terrible. So it made it very difficult. But told you that to tell you this. <clears throat> we ended up having a run and we weren't an option team. Because of what they were doing, they didn't have anybody assigned to the quarterback on option. Mm -hmm. So we had to run a lot of option in that UAM game. And Price, on a lucky day, could bust a 5-3 out. I mean, he could not run me right now. And he took a beating in that game. So George had to come into that game, and George won that game for us yeah. uh, because Josh was so beat up. So that's the kind of selflessness 
that you find in football that I don't think you find in other sports. Uh, so it, it was difficult. I think we all had a good relationship. Uh, I think we all understood what we needed to do to get the job done. Uh, and George has even told me he had a great time at Arkansas Tech. He uh, played baseball too after that year, didn't he? He did. He played baseball and did very well. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's just a good young man. And, and subsequently, I don't know if you know this, Clint, he's married, he's got three daughters, uh, just loving life in California. He's doing very That's well. Great. No, I had, you no, know, George is one of the guys I haven't caught up with. You know, I keep up with, I keep up with a lot of the guys. Um, you know, a lot of the guys are asking me when we're going to have you on. After we had Mullins on, I was like, you know what? I do need to reach out to him. I think I got his number. Well, I appreciate you doing it. So, um, yeah. Now, now you, on the recruiting thing, kind of, you know, what does it take? Did, did Mullins kind of let you recruit the quarterback and pick which quarterbacks you want to go after? No, or he didn't. just have territories? And what went into recruiting quarterbacks? Well, we had territories. And it's, it's funny because when we got here in 97, it was a four-man staff. There were two coaches on defense, and there was the head coach and myself, and that was it. Right. We had two graduate assistants that weren't, weren't – they weren't allowed to, to recruit. Mm -hmm. So after that first season, we lost that defensive coordinator. So we had two position coaches, and that was myself and Billy Goss. I know you remember Coach Goss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Coach Goss eventually went to coach the baseball team. Right. We drew a line down the state of Arkansas – and I took the East half and he took the West half. And that's how we recruited that first year. And you talk about going to a lot of schools, mm -hmm. but getting back to your earlier question, as a, as a recruiter, my job was to go out and make a connection with that high school athlete, find out about their academics and their academic interests and, um, and, and try to develop a relationship with them, you know, away from Arkansas Tech. Uh, but Coach Mullins would evaluate every ball player on film painstakingly. He watched more film than anybody you can imagine. Um, and I, I heard him say it the other day, and he's human. He made some mistakes, and he made some great successes. Uh, it's, it's a very inexact science, but I didn't make any decisions on the recruitment of athletes. He would ask my input about offensive skill players, he wouldn't ask about offensive linemen because obviously that was his forte. Yeah. Well, and in doing that, um, you know, what were some attributes you looked for in a player as, you know, because I know you said, you you know, with D2, it was, it wasn't just, uh, uh, you know, you wasn't just looking for a guy that you could fit into, like we're talking about, like someone like Arkansas or Alabama. You know, they're just looking for the next puzzle piece to put into that puzzle that is their style and their, you know, whatever offense they run. For you, you're looking for the best athlete you can get. Yes. But you still want them to fit in well with what you're doing if you can, but that's not quite as important. But what are some things that you look like you would, like say if there's any kids out there listening to this you know what are some things you look for in a in a student when you're recruiting them that says that could be a good player besides just what's on tape well let me put it to you this way and, and there are exceptions the first thing being realistic first thing you're going to look at is wow that can play yeah i mean you know he's an athlete or yeah. he fits what i'm looking for but after you get past that initial it enters into your mind. 
Because I'll tell you what, as a coach, you're going to get a phone call at 2 o'clock in the morning, and you're going to say, Clint Clark did what? <laughs> you're looking for character, okay? You don't want to bring somebody in that's going to keep you up at night, yeah. and you don't want to bring somebody in that's going to embarrass you or the university or the program. Uh, and I don't think a lot of high school students get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really don't because, uh, you know, there's evaluations all the way up to the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're evaluating right now. Again, there are exceptions, you know, uh, and, and I think we've all seen those recently. But uh, you're looking for a kid that really wants to take the opportunity. This whole Division One paying players things, uh, I, I, I couldn't be more against anything in my life. Because I have said from the start, it's not a right to play college football. It's a privilege. Mm-hmm. And you know, and every kid I ever recruited, I use those exact words and I, I looked them in the eye and made sure they understand me. Mm-hmm. You know, you may be gifted, you may be the most wonderful player in the world, but you don't have the right to play anything. Yeah. You know, this is an honor, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that's what you look for, especially at Division II. I think you look for kids that are either going to be or have the potential to be high-character kids. Well, you know, and I I can only speak for myself. You know, when I played four years at Tech, um, I'm very proud to say that I was the slowest player on the football team. (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) No, it's true. I'm proud of it. Uh, (laughs) Hey, let's just be honest. I I stole this joke, and I've worn it out, but I'm going to tell it to you. If I was racing a pregnant woman, I'd come in third. (laughs) <laughs> if she was carrying twins i get fourth wouldn't even get a medal coach so i stole that from mark grace on the gym one show but i added the twins part on that's a clint clark that's a clint clark that's good made it, made it my own um but no what i want to say is is for me it meant the world to me to wear that uniform like it really did to, to, to go out there you know, and I didn't get the glory of a lot of playing time, and that, and that's fine. I, I, I've grown to appreciate my career for what my career was, and, and the privilege to go out there and run through the tee. And I always loved our Friday walkthrough practices, where it was just Moses off doing his own thing, and you just had the offense, and you were able to command it. You came up, you'd always give us the speech, and then I, and then I'd get to say the offense on three, and I'd turn on my my southern accent so high. <laughs> I think you enjoyed it deep down. So, oh yeah, yeah. It, it was it was it was a lot of fun playing for you, Coach. I had a I had a great time, and uh, I I can't thank you enough for coming on here and for everything you've done, guys. I've enjoyed it, and I I wish you all the success in the world. And you know, Travis, it's good to meet you. And I know if you've stuck with this guy through all the years. <laughs> that, uh, you're the high character guy that I'm talking about. things you're doing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. You're all doing great things, and I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you. Well, Coach, thank you for joining us, and uh, it's a, it was a, definitely an interesting and uh, enjoyable conversation. And uh, we'll uh, we we'll look forward to to hearing more from you in the future. And uh, you know, once again, I know Clint was excited, you know, excited to have you. I know he thinks a ton of you and, and, uh, thanks for sharing your story with us and, uh, and, and having a good time with us today, folks. Uh, thank y'all for listening and watching, whether you're on YouTube or 
Spotify or Apple or Amazon or TuneIn Radio. Talking Travis on Farmers Only, whatever. My DMs are wide open. So uh, wide open. Anyway, seriously, thank y'all for listening. That's why we do this. Uh, thank you for the feedback, y'all, uh, folks that are let us know that you enjoy the show. If, in case you didn't, we snuck in an extra podcast last week. And if nothing else, you need to hear it to hear Clint's Cheesecake Factory story. Yeah, I'm still spicy to Cheesecake Factory. And All it, I'm saying is, if you buy cheesecake at the Cheesecake Factory, you'd be able to eat the cheesecake in the lobby. That's right. So, Cheesecake <laughs> Factory, you're on notice. Yeah. And uh, also, too, last week we interviewed Coach Gary Crowder, former basketball coach at uh, OBU. And he told us about the best prank I've ever heard of, Coach. They pranked the state papers for four years, made up a high school football oh, no. team. And they would you call in the scores every week, and they posted it. Stay on here. We'll, we'll tell you that a little more. <laughs> when I, I mean, it was brilliant. I, when I end the show, stay on here. We'll tell you a little more. All right. You might be interested in it. Anyway, thank you all so much. Uh, go back and listen to some of the old podcasts. If you're listening to this one, you haven't listened to the Steve Mullins podcast, Go listen to it. It was a wonderful conversation, too. And uh, it'll connect these two together a little more, especially those of y'all connected with Arkansas Tech and uh, that played uh, for this guy or with Clint. And and uh, so we appreciate that. Coach Ricardo, thank you so much. Thank you, Travis. We are out. Have a great week. Sweat. One. Filthy. When I work, my hands get filthy down in this dirt Won't see no harvest till I hurt Cry in your kingdom come Listen I wake up in the morning I bow my head to pray Mama told me if I don't Ain't nothing gonna change These prayers breaking up hard drive So I can sow the seed Ain't afraid of no 